0: And, and this is for David and Amanda, because this is a little joke I have. We've been in chapter 1 since, I think, June of last year. Yeah. And if you ask me how long we're going to be to chapter 2, my answer is when we get there. <laughs> so when we get there, we'll be in chapter 2. But, but I, I, I emphasize this a lot. There's a lot of people that preach the book of Revelation. And teach out the book of Revelation, and there's a lot of people that won't touch it because it's, it's difficult to understand. And I've watched a lot of Revelation teachers go over chapter 1 and read over John seeing the Son of Man in the seven golden candlesticks and just kind of maybe make a comment or two on it, but just move over it. And I believe that is the foundation of the whole book. And if you miss the Son of Man and the candlesticks, you may miss the whole book. You may, you may just go in and look for dragons coming up out of the water and up out of the land and all, the, all these kinds of things that you read on further in the book. But, and, and hopefully we'll address them at some point. We'll see how the Lord leads. But the Son of Man and the candlestick is huge because that's your salvation. And, and if I don't understand Christ in me as my salvation, I don't understand salvation. And that's what John saw. Like there's a, there's a group of people that probably have some good understanding on timelines, as far as timelines go. And I, I'll be careful how I, how I word this, because I don't want to belittle brothers and sisters in Christ. But they missed Christ in the church. They, they, they missed that John saw him in the church. And that one of the things Jesus said is that he was, meaning he was, he is. And people miss that part, is, and he is to come. So, so people get wrapped up in he is to come, and they miss the fact that he said he is. And John begins to declare there in the book of Revelation, or right in the book of Revelation, about whom that is. And and he's writing to a people there, and he says he's writing of things that shall shortly come to pass. So 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 in in the view, I, I believe the Lord has has dealt with me, and this is what I believe, and I believe it strongly, unless the Lord show me otherwise, I'm just going to believe what I believe the Lord's saying to me, is that John was living in a day where these things were getting ready to happen. A lot of the things in the book of Revelation, but he's teaching the people that Christ is in the church. And he's not just saying he's in the church, he's saying he's in the church in fullness. I mean, that's, that's what the description is dealing with there in Revelation chapter 1, is the fullness of Christ, is the fullness of God in Christ, in seven golden candlesticks. And he calls them golden candlesticks. He sees them as gold because they're exhibiting the nature of of Christ. And we've been dealing with since last week, eyes as a flame of fire. So, in Revelation chapter 1, and you can read, I won't read everything there, I've read it and read it and read it, but in in chapter 1, it says that his eyes and his head, verse 14, his head and his hair were white, like wool, as white as wool, white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. So what were his eyes? A flame of fire. Now, consuming fire, that's it, Calvin. And, and, and that will probably be next week or the week after that. Okay, so you may, may touch it today. It's in the notes. I don't know if I'll get that far. If I do, we're probably here for a long, long time. And I'll, and I'll try to be mindful. Okay. So just a review of last week. And, I, and I'm not even going to read 1, 10 through 20, but you need to read 1, 10 through 20, because John turned to see the voice, and having been turned, or being turned, he saw. So when he heard the voice, he turned and saw. and this, And this is the foundation of Christ being revealed, is when you hear the voice of God, turn to see the voice. And sometimes when you turn to see the voice, it's going to cost you, folks. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. It's going to cost you. It may cost you friends, relationships, your, your, your status. It may cost you. But it'll be worth it. Because he's going to feel you. So you turn, you see the voice. And you see, and he, when he saw the voice, he saw seven candlesticks. But, but, and we could get lost in the candlesticks, but in the candlesticks. He saw one like the Son of Man. And and He gives a description of Him, just like we say, with hair white as wool, eyes as a flaming fire, feet as if they had burned, burning brass in a furnace, a robe down to His foot, girt about the chest with a girdle, and out of His mouth coming a two-edged sword. And John says, when he saw him, and I left off, his face was shining as the sun. And John sees him, and he falls at his feet as dead. And Jesus lays his hand upon John. And John, John is raised up through the power of God. Glory to God. And that's what that's dealing with. And he starts to lay out there, kind of give you an idea that that the, of the symbolism and, and and imagery that's in the Book of Revelation, because he tells you the seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches of Asia, and then the seven angels that's in his right hand. And I kid around sometimes, Amanda, and I say if if you are seven, the seven stars in his right hand are seven angels. If you had seven stars in your right hand, you got a really big hand. Because stars are huge. Right? Yeah. So, so you've got to see the imagery here, the imagery of what's being said. And see, see, and, and you have to understand this by the Spirit of God. You can read this and, and try to, to say that, well, I believe this is what it's going to say, but God has given us his spirit that we, we would know. And then we have to question, if we don't know, why don't we? And, and and I got a, I got an answer for Brother Calvin. He mentioned something last week. I don't know what he's searching, but I got an answer because I made a comment to you, brother, about how the Lord has dealt with me through the years. And and sometimes it's... or I've wanted to understand something. Sometimes it's taken a real long time before I saw it. And there's many things I haven't seen. And, and I was driving out of here last week and it's just like it was just answered in my heart. Why? Because God has to lay... Ground in your heart, so he'll take something and lay it in your heart, and then he builds on what he's laid. And sometimes we want the whole thing, but see, God is like a a, a, a wise master builder, and as a wise master builder, he just lays and lays another piece and lays another piece to bring the perfect image and I saw that going down the road after I left here you know kind of the answer why, why this works why Lord does it work this way it's not necessarily God trying to withhold things from us it's just he works by laying correct layers foundation and you even see that in creation you take an onion and what is that onion it's layers an apple's layers. You realize that you have the outer skin. You have the apple. You get down to the core and the seed and the stem. And you've got all, all of that in the apple. Right? So you have layers. to it. So God has even created things in layers. And so his word in us is, is built up in layers as we give our hearts to the Lord. Really, you you say, what do I have to do? Give my heart to the Lord. Spend time with Jesus. Get alone with Him. Sit in prayer. Sit before the Word. And that's really what I'll tell you you have to do. If you say, what do I have to do? Believe in Him. And spend time with Him. I won't give you a whole bunch of rules and regulations because I honestly believe if you start doing that God'll minister into your life and he'll cause you to desire and he and he may change some of your routines he may not because sometimes what what people thinks is all bad the Lord may not think it's that bad after all maybe it's to be people law this that and the other so so if we, if we give our hearts to the Lord and we are observant of the Lord, He'll deal in our hearts if our heart is really mindful of the Lord. How many believe that? God will deal with your heart. Now. And He'll correct our hearts. Amen. He, he is the wise master builder and He's building us in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, now, coming from Revelation 1 and having eyes as a flame of fire, go to verse 4. Just a little recap in verse 4 of Revelation 1. John writes here in verse 4, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from Him who is and was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before His throne. Alright? Seven spirits. Mark that in your heart. Go over to four, chapter 4, verse 5. And it says, Out of the throne proceeded lightnings and voices and thunders, and there were seven lamps of fire. Seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. You can even call that the seven candlesticks, because what's a candlestick? A lamp of fire, right? Yeah. And you, and, ra- and about the throne, which are the, set, the, the light." of the lamps, the light there, the were what? The seven spirits of God. Seven, seven lamps of fire around this throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So we have seven spirits of God, seven lamps of fire, that are the seven spirits of God. And then flip over to chapter 5. And in chapter 5, John sees the lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he and he is weeping because no one's worthy to open the book. In verse 4 he said, and I wept much because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion that is of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, have overcome to open the book. And the seven seals thereof, and I saw in the midst of the throne of the four and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders. Now, now now stop here and think for a moment. He sees in the midst of the throne. He sees in the midst of four living creatures. He sees in the midst of the elders. The lamb. In, a, in the midst of all of them. The lamb standing as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And I, and I spoke to you last week about seven. Seven's dealing with completion and fullness. God rested in, in the creation story back in Genesis. God rested on the seventh day. Seventh day, it was complete. The seventh day, it was, you know, it was a day of rest. And here are seven churches of pure gold. And in the midst of them is why they're, 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 called, they're said to be pure gold. Because when we're, we're going to get into this in the coming weeks, when he gets into those seven churches, he's got some issues with them. But in those seven churches are, or is the Son of Man in all of them? He's in all of them because God is Spirit, so He's in all of them, and He's and He's revealed in a particular way. And we're dealing, like I said, with eyes as a flame of fire. Flip back to Malachi three, Malachi three, and. Still yet, we're in a little review. Malachi 3 says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you say, seek shall suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire. Behold, he cometh, saith Jehovah of hosts. But who can abide the day of his coming? And who, who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a, what? Refiner's fire. And a fuller soap, And he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi, and refine them as gold and silver, and they shall offer unto Jehovah offerings and righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto Jehovah, as in the days of old, as in the ancient years. Why, why Judah? Why, why, why Judah? Why didn't he, why didn't he use Reuben? Why didn't he use one of the other tribes? Because Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Glory to God. And the Lord whom you shall seek shall come to his temple. And sit as a refiner's fire. John the Baptist said. I need to baptize you with water. But He that is coming is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Do you think these two Scriptures just might go together? Malachi is talking about something going to come and then John says that Christ is going to do it. It's at hand. The time's come. And when Jesus comes down to the water, John says, Hey, Jesus, I need to be baptized of You. But Jesus says, Suffer it to be so that we might fulfill all righteousness. Why did He do that? Because it was written in the prophets. And Jesus had to submit to every line of the prophets. And John was the voice that that had been declared by the prophets that was going to come to prepare the way of the Lord and he come and Jesus was the Lord he's preparing the way of and so here he comes and he's baptizing out in the Jordan and here comes Jesus on the scene and is baptized of John. But John says I need to be baptized of you. I need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Glory to God. I need this baptism so, as, so as, good, as good of a man as John, John was, and John, and John was said to be the greatest of all the prophets. You don't get much of uh, 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 teaching of John in the Bible. You realize that? You have, a, you have books of Moses. But Jesus says of John that, uh, that according to man, there's been none greater but he that is in the kingdom of God he is greater than Him. Why? Because Christ is in you. Amen. Amen. Because a new day came on the scene when you were going to be baptized, not just in water, I believe in water baptism, but not just in water, but in the Holy Ghost and fire. And the purpose of the fire is to purge the floor. To purify the sons of Levi, to purify the ministry, to purify. And I, when I'm talking ministry, I'm not talking just about the person preaching, because we are all ambassadors of Christ. Amen. Glory to God. So, so to purify us. Now, as the Lord's kind of leading me on down through here. I wrote. I was going to read Zechariah and a couple things, and we'll just we'll just move them in as. As as, if we can. But I wrote something yesterday. And I I write almost every Saturday a little thing that I call Nuggets of Revelation. I stick them on Facebook. I want you all to read them forever. So I've decided I'm bringing these materials and hand them out to you. So I'm just going to bring them and give them to you. So if you don't don't go on Facebook and read them, I'm going to read them to you. Maybe not the whole thing, but we're going to look at it. And I wrote this, Malachi, just where we're at, declared, The Lord whom you seek shall come. This is in the first full uh, paragraph. Shall come to his temple. And when he comes, he will set his refiner fire to purge the sons of Levi. Now on the day of Pentecost, what happened? A rushing, sudden, mighty wind came into the house. So Malachi is saying, that the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to His temple. And then Acts 2 says, the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Ghost came, it was the Pentecost, and suddenly, suddenly, there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house. you think this is a coincidence? And then when you get into the filling of the house, if you think of the Scripture, if you think, if you allow... The Lord did just get in you and you think by the Spirit of God. Why didn't he fill that old temple? That old temple on the day of Pentecost was still standing. You know that? They hadn't destroyed it yet. And all through the old covenant, God had filled the old temple. But here on the day of Pentecost, the cloud and the fire comes. And if you go back and read your Bible, God come in a cloud and a fire all the way through your Bible. And in the cloud and the fire, He doesn't go back into that old temple on the day of Pentecost. Why? Because He's done with it. It's over. It served His purpose. He filled the house. And the house He filled was the 120 that was sitting there waiting for Him to come. Amen. And He come and filled them with the Holy Spirit and fire. Amen. In fact, it says that the tongues of fire that set upon them were cloven tongues of fire. Amen. And people today, for in a lot of places, don't believe in tongues. Yeah. But i got news for you. Those tongues of fire set up on all 120. Didn't just set up on Peter. Didn't just set up on John. It set up on the 120 that was there, and they all began to speak in tongues of fire as the Spirit gave others. Glory to God. Now you can get it carried away with the tongues of fire. Maybe you can go over on the one side. But you also go over on the other side. And Paul, and, and these Scriptures are in the book of Corinthians, Paul told them, do not forbid tongues. He said, do not forbid tongues. And in fact, he said, I wish you all spoke With tongues. So if Paul's saying, I wish you all spoke with tongues, there's a significance to speaking in tongues. Glory to God. So there's a significance for you as a believer to speak in tongues. Now, we can debate this, but I'll give you my view. And to the Lord changes, it's my view. When you get filled with the Spirit, you speak in tongues. Everyone that I know, that I know, that had a... had a, you, you know, I'm not saying when, when Christ entered your heart, He's Spirit. So when Spirit entered your heart, but I'm saying anyone that is filled with the Spirit that I know, and I know several, tell, they tell the same story, that, you know, different ways. They speak in tongues. And throughout the book of Acts, they were speaking in tongues. In fact, in... Acts 8, if you read it, you get a little extra because this ain't my notes. In Acts 8, if you read your Bible, the Samaritans had received the Word of God. They had received the Word of God. They had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, I believe it says, or had been baptized, however it says. And... I think it was Philip had went and preached to him. I believe Philip. But, but one of the brothers there went and preached to him. And it says that the apostles, when they heard that Samaria had received, been baptized and believed, they went down unto them that they would be filled Amen. with the Spirit. Amen. So the apostles thought it was so important that after they believed, they went down with them and laid their hands on them that they would be filled with the Spirit. And there's a, there's a word in there that they received it. Amen. And see, if you don't receive it, it's not just going to happen to you. Everything with God's that way, if you don't receive it, it just doesn't just. Fall off trees and hit us in the head. We participate in this thing. We receive it, and it's fire. It's Holy Ghost and fire. The Lord of God. So He's going to sit, and I'll get down. To, to, to paragraph two on this paper. Now, I want to ask you, what does a refiner's fire do to gold and silver? It removes, it removes dross and impurities to bring forth pure gold or pure silver. Now, when we first consider this, we may look at ourselves as the pure gold. I want us to be careful there, I wrote. I want us to point to what or who is in us. Paul writes that we have a treasure in earthen vessels, 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. You have this treasure in. So you've got a treasure in you. And who is Christ Jesus the Lord? He's the gold that comes forth. He's the image that we're transformed into. If you don't understand that, And and I think this is a big big deal in Christianity. It's been a big deal in my heart. We've thought Christianity is about us just being good people. Haven't we? To a certain degree. Dress right, act right, look right, be good. That's far short of what Christianity is really about. Far short. Far. When, when they come to Jesus he call a good master, what did He say? He said, there is none good but one, and that is God. So we built doctrines and there's people that will fight you over how good you're supposed to be. So don't don't misunderstand me. And God is after perfection in you. So when I say this, but it's not your goodness... It's His. That's why Christ is in you. That's why why John turned to see the voice, to see the One that's in him, and being turned saw seven golden candlesticks because he saw the image of Christ appearing in the candlesticks. And see, when the image of Christ begins to appear in us, it transforms our soul and when that thing starts happening in you, I'm telling you, as a witness of it, you won't want nothing else. I'm telling you the truth. You know, we, we don't have the, the, the best facilities in the world, but you, when, when the revelation of Jesus Christ starts to gather, to, to really appear in your heart, you would gather in sawdust for it. Because, because there's something greater than everything around you going on in you. It's happening in you. And it, and it, and it gets in you and you go, my Lord. That's, that's what Peter and Paul and these brothers were talking about. Glory unspeakable. speakable. I don't even have the right vocabulary to declare what's happening on the inside. And it gets real, and it begins to change your very life. Amen. Amen. And see, you know, he's a refiner's fire. And we we read something last week. I pulled off the the internet of a, of, of a lady, a group of ladies. From a church fellowship, this thing with Malachi really dealt with them. See, God deals with us, right? So they went to explore it. And they went to a I think it was a goldsmith, silversmith, what what someone that works with metals, and went to him and said, Sir, do you watch the thing the whole time? The refining process is going on. He said, Yes. I do. And guess what he's looking for as he's watching that gold? He's looking for his own image to appear. So if we take this, and this is just a natural goldsmith. If we take this with the Lord, and the Lord comes as a refiner's fire to refine, he's looking for his own image to appear in you. Well, well, Brother Wayne, give me the Scripture. I just quoted it a while ago, but turn to it. 2 Corinthians. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to flip backwards. How you like that? We'll go 4 and then 3. Instead of 3 and then 4, we're going to go 4 and then back to 3. 2 Corinthians 4. It says, Verse 7, I'll just read it, we quoted that, but we're going to come on down here. Verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the exceeding greatness of power, of the power may be of God and not from us. Now, go back up to verse 3. It says Paul writes in verse 3, he says, And even if our gospel is veiled, I was thinking this was below, but it's above, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to them that perish. In whom the God of this world hath blinded what? The minds of the unbelieving. That the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is what? The image of who? Of God. Should not dawn upon them. Have you ever read Peter talking about the day star dawning we're at? In your heart. So the image of God would not dawn upon them, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake, seeing it is God that said, Light shall shine out of darkness, who shine in our hearts. Where do He shine at? In our hearts. For what, And here's the purpose, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. <laughs> what treasure is he talking about? He's talking about what he just said before. That in these earthen vessels, we have the light of the knowledge of the glory of God shining in our hearts in the face of Jesus Christ in us. Glory to God. Now flip back to chapter 3. Chapter 3. And you should read the whole chapter, but I won't. He says, verse 14. Here again is the minds. But their minds were hardened, according to this translation, or blinded. For unto this day, at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains, it not being it not being revealed to them that it is done away in Christ. Okay, and he's dealing with, in that day, he's dealing with the, with the Jews. That, that the re, in the reading of the Old Covenant, it's not revealed to them. It's done away in Christ. They're just going on about the ritual of the Old Covenant. They're, they're still offering sheep. They're still doing their thing. And yet it's done away. All right. But unto this day, whensoever Moses read, a veil lieth upon their heart. Notice how this sounds with Revelation 1. But whensoever it shall turn, the heart shall turn to the Lord. The veil. What's taken away? The veil that's upon their heart. The veil of flesh. The veil of carnality is taken away. Now the Lord is, is what? That Spirit... And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What are we beholding? We're not holding ourselves. We're holding the glo- beholding the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image from glory to glory even as from the Spirit of the Lord, or through or by the Spirit of the Lord. This is why He sets His refiner's fire to transform you into the same image. And and, and in the the document I wrote that I put on Facebook, I talked about how how the tongues of fire come. And in the tongues of fire, you you know, why, why, why tongues? What does the Apostle James write as the most unruly part of us? Our tongues. So what tongues? He takes over your most unruly part and takes it over and utterance comes out of you that's not of you, in which man doesn't like that anyway. Utterance comes that's of God. And not only, you know what, it's a heavenly language. And not only does you now have this heavenly language going on, it'll start transforming even what you say. It'll start changing your mind. And Apostle Paul, I, I, I love what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, In verse 1, in the King James Version, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. This thing stuck out to me probably this week, more than it ever has. Enticing words. It just hit me, Bob. How that a lot of God's people are enticed. But Paul said, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, But in the power of God, howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Who's it hid from? It's hid from them who has a veil on their heart. They can't see it. Even though you speak it, they can't see it so the heart turns to the Lord and the veil's removed. It's hidden. We speak a hidden wisdom to those that are perfect. How are you perfect? In Christ, complete in him. The word perfect is translated. The, the word there can also be translated complete. Okay. Your completion, your perfections in Christ. That's why Paul can say, in one place you're perfect, and then he can say in another place that I'm not already perfect, but I press toward because your completion and perfection is in Christ. And you see that you're perfect in him or complete in him through his work. And now you're pressing toward what his work's done. See, the Gospel becomes His work, which is what it should be anyway, right? The Gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, right? That's what the Gospel should be, is His work. And we're pressing into His work. We begin to see His work. We begin to declare His work. And that's what Paul's talking about. He didn't come with excellent speech or wisdom. He, he, he was, Paul was, a, as far as book learning skills, he, he I guess, would have been a, a, a level of a college of professors. Do you realize that? He grew up under Gamaliel. He was in the Jewish religion, so he was full of book smarts. But he said, I didn't come with that. I come in demonstration of the power, and I'm speaking wisdom unto a people that can hear it. I'm speaking an understanding and a knowledge that only those that have the Spirit of God even know what I'm saying. I'm speaking to you the mystery of God that was hid from ages and generations. You ever read that? I'm speaking to you, declaring a mystery that was hid, that that was hid, but it's not hid anymore. It's being revealed by the Spirit Christ in you, the hope of glory, that you might be transformed. The reason He's got to be revealed is so you be transformed and you can bear His image in the earth. Glory to God. And inside that excites me. Galatians 1. I'm I'm actually keeping an eye on time today, Dave, believe it or not. I'm going to try to wrap up at about 50 minutes means I might go 55. Galatians 1. Paul says, in verse 11, he says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation. See, he, he, was, he was above his brothers in the Jewish religion. I excel them but being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me, not to me, but in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen or the nations, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So Paul was preaching, declaring from Christ revealed in him. He wasn't preaching something that someone else, he didn't, he, and he made a point. I didn't go up to the other apostles for some time. He makes a point that Peter never taught me what he, what he saw. Peter never taught me what he believed. He's making a point of that. That God revealed His Son in me. Not just to me. I didn't just believe Jesus was Jesus. This Jesus that walked the shores of Galilee, this Jesus that healed the multitudes, this Jesus that died and rose from the dead. Paul is saying it's being revealed in Him. Glory to God. That's the fire. See, that thing's a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Jesus himself is a consuming fire. And when he begins to be revealed in you, he's going to consume up what you thought you knew. He's going to transform you. Your mind, what you thought the Bible said. I share this every now and then. When I I was young and God began to reveal Himself in me, I can remember taking my Bible and was dealing with Matthew 24. And I'm reading through Matthew 24 and I'm a young man working in computer cells up in Reston, Virginia. In inside cells at the time. And I'd read whenever I, I had a chance. So I'm reading. And... I could just see the cross. It was just like the cross just blew up in front of me. I knew what everybody preached there. I took my Bible and slammed it. (laughs) And ran out in the stairwell and started praying. Something like, dear God, I don't know anybody that believes this. I don't remember the exact words I said, but it was along that line. I don't know anybody that believes what what I believe you're showing me. And what am I going to do with it? And then I start praying. Don't let me be wrong. Don't let me be false. Don't let me be a false prophet, a false teacher, because I've heard all those things. And I start crying before the Lord, just giving you my heart. And we we can say we're we're done this morning as far as recording, because I'm just giving.